Hey guys, it's uh, episode two of the actual The Exchange podcast. We decided to count last week as the first episode. Woo woo. Yeah. I'm Chase. I'm Gabby. And we are doing a second episode. Thanks for watching the first or listening to the first. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Google. It's probably actually above or below this current one that you're listening to. It has the Clint approval. So. The Clint approval. Clint approved. That's great. He um, he even responded to your... My text message. Yes. How'd that go? Um, he said that he enjoyed my voice and that it was an enjoyable talk. My mom also enjoyed it. Now are those... And then my boyfriend also listened now. So I know we have at least three listeners out there. <laughs> We've got to get our we've got to get our younger siblings to listen. They'll be the ones that'll be ruthless. Draven would rip into me. My sister would be like, "This is the dumbest thing I've listened to. I've listened to a whole hour and something minutes of you talking with some girl about something that I didn't care about." And I'd be like, oh, "Okay, thanks." Yeah. Just give me my birthday card and my Christmas card, and that's all I need. So we're gonna stray <laughs> away from this a little bit. Wow. Maybe deal with some family things on one of the next episodes. But today <laughs> we are talking about sheltered or inexperienced, the struggles of balancing church values in adolescence. And I think it can even go further into even young adulthood now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because we were talking about that, about possible podcast topics, about how everybody's telling us to wait, 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 wait. But what are we waiting on? You know, like you keep putting things off in your life because you're too busy or you're this and that. And it's like your brain's telling you this and your body says, no, I think that's how the song goes or something like that. My brain, my, I can't remember. It's some hip hop, like nineties R and B song. Are you sure you're not thinking of Megan Trainor's song? No, my name is no, my sign is no, my number is no, you need to let it go. You need no, to let I it think go. it's an R Kelly song, which I probably shouldn't even be quoting R. Kelly on No, R. Kelly is very much canceled. Yeah, he is. Like, my mind, my brain says no, but my body says yes. Oh, that I think that is a song. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing, like, where we're just constantly battling. But um, I think a lot of that comes from kids who are sheltered. For sure. Um, or inexperienced in life. Uh, not everything tied to a idea sexually or anything like that um, just in general like they get to this point in life where mommy and daddy you know I uh, not gonna lie went on a date with a girl when I was in my 20s who uh, her parents still cut her steak hey we cannot talk bad about parents who cut steaks for individuals my dad will look over sometimes and see me struggling come on Gabe just hand me the plate takes care of me I see it as an act of love. <laughs> maybe maybe your dad just doesn't, like, maybe he just, maybe it's one of those things that, like, gets to him. <laughs> maybe. Like, I have those things even with my three-year-old that, like, she does weird things sometimes. And I'm like, no, just stop. Let me, here, just give it to me. Let me, let me put it together. I will say I think it bothers some people that I am right-handed, but I'm also ambidextrous, so I cut with my left hand instead of my right hand. So I think that can bother some people. I, I So I am right-handed, but I eat with my left hand, but I cut with my right hand. So like how some people have to like flip forks and knives, I don't. I just sit there like Winnie the Pooh with two utensils, and I just go to town. You just sit there? Yeah. Ready to eat. Ready to go. So going back to our subject, yes, sheltered and inexperienced, um, you know, I think the question that you put on there, how far is too far when it comes to the wanting what's best versus sheltering? For sure. Um, balance. <laughs> that is the first point that I wrote down is that balance is key on the subjects. Right. And I think we need to kind of know what we're talking about with sheltered. And I think, we have that idea growing up in the church and things like that and having the friends and especially for you going to a Christian university where there are some kids who went right out of like homeschooled for sure, super youth group, never did anything but a mission trip, which is great. Mission trips are fun, but never experienced life outside of a Christian home. Now going to Christian home 2.0 <laughs> And now finding out that some of those kids there probably didn't grow up with either the same values 
or the same structure. For sure, especially because our school, I think the statistic given to me when I was looking to go to Oakview is that 85% of our campus, it's 82 to 85% of our campus is athletes. And so when you look at the statistics of why students come to our university, usually the first is beliefs, but then the second is sports. And I've had multiple friends who have told me that they only came to Oakview because they had an offer to go here right. to play baseball or softball or basketball or any sport. And they've got great sports programs, too. I mean, Thank you. They, they do. Uh, I don't know much about the volleyball team. Come support Oku Volleyball yes. this year. But the baseball team made it to the World Series. Um, For sure. You know, the basketball team made it to the tournament, right? Yes. And we also had the NAIA Player of the Year, okay. Cody Muncy, right. from so, our baseball team. So you've got a, a really good, you know, school that teaches faith. Um, it's a faith-based school, but they are known a lot for their sports. Um, so, yeah, you'll run into people who may not be there as a ministry degree. They may be getting a finance degree. They may be getting this or that. And so you you run into that issue. Um, and so sheltering your kid, I, I think parents do that sometimes out of fear. I also wonder sometimes if they do it because they're not, sure if what they've taught is stuck. I can see that. So instead of having to worry about, is my kid going to abandon me? Is my kid going to abandon everything that I've taught them to appreciate and values to have? Are they going to leave all of that because I didn't do a good enough job or I pissed them off by keeping them sheltered or confined I always think of Bobby Boucher from The Water Boy. Like, the devil made everything except for what his mom liked. That's true. Like, she invented electricity. Benjamin Franklin was the devil. Everything was the devil except for mama. Uh, well, more of an example that I thought of is that one example from my life was that I had always been taught that it's kind of in a jokey manner, but that nothing good happens after dark. Right. And of course it was given to me by my father with his super southern accent of nothing happens good nothing good happens after dark Gabe. And so instead when I was younger, not in early, like end of high school. Yeah. End of high school I actually didn't have a curfew, which was really nice. Ooh. But I know. Yeah, but early high <laughs> early high school instead of them testing that rule, they just made my curfew nine o'clock and by nine o'clock it w was dark and I was home. Right. So Instead of testing the waters, they just made the rule where they were right. I don't think Clint's too far off, though, on that. Um, I mean, if you look at it... Uh, Statistically! Me yeah, the messages that get sent on, like, Facebook and Instagram DMs that are after about 11.30 are not really good to send and or respond to. Um, drunk driving happens after dark. A lot of bad, a, a lot of things do. I had a teacher, I was going through some stuff, and um, she was, she's still my friend. Um, we talk regularly. And uh, she told me, she was like, Chase, never make a decision after midnight. For sure. Like, if you're depressed, if you're this or that, never make a decision after midnight. And that was the advice she gave me. And I can see that. I can see where she's right on that. Um, I mean, there's YouTube videos and things all dedicated to guys who, message girls after midnight and they're the dumbest decisions that they make for sure well so clint's not clint's not too far off way to go clint woo woo. right <laughs> so the next point that you brought up too far can lead to the pk myth or confusion in the face of danger slash conflict well explain that pk myth I think that you'd be a better person to explain the PK myth. Why don't you myth. explain the PK myth, and I'll see if I can debunk the P PK myth. So, for those of you Because you're a DK, right? You're a deacon's kid. Actually, he's an elder now. Ooh, an EK. <laughs> oh, man. You're an EKG. Elder kid Gabby. <laughs> I know you wanted to go with, what was it, major or... What, what's DMV? Yeah. Director of Mega Virgins? Mega Virgins, yes. Um, so if you don't understand what PK stands for, PK stands for Preacher's Kids. Yes, unless you're on the Oakwood soccer team that's penalty kick. Yes, also. <laughs> yes. 
but growing up in church settings and especially at our university is talked about that PKs sometimes go against their raising and how they were raised and want to be rebellious. And so there is the myth that certain PKs turn against the church completely or that they're actually the worst kid in the class, even though they're the preacher's kid and things of that nature. Okay. So the, yes, that is the PK myth. Um, the PK myth, I think, is not a myth of, I don't think it matters what you are. You can be a bad person. That is true. And I don't, so I was the class clown cut up. I was never like a bad kid. Like, oh man, he's out doing drugs and drinking every weekend. And like, he's, you know, pilled out of his mind or anything. Like I wasn't that kid. I talked a lot. I said some inappropriate things a lot just to like push the envelope because I was that kid, like all through life, all of the people that I was kind of attracted to in life, um, like as far as being somebody to emulate was always a character like the undertaker, Shawn Michaels for wrestling. <laughs> I loved the generation X when like WWE was WWF. I loved that stuff. Um, Dennis Rodman was my favorite basketball player of all time. Will always be my favorite basketball player. He was the best Yikes. defensive basketball to ever play. Um, also dated Madonna. Yes, he dated Madonna. <laughs> um, and, you know, I loved those high intensity, like Tony Stewart in NASCAR, like fighting people. I thought that was funny. I thought that was cool. I liked him. I would stay up late at night and wait for my parents to go to bed and watch Howard Stern on E! because I thought he was hilarious. And I thought like shock jocks and those kind of guys were funny because they were saying things that you weren't supposed to say. Yes. And so I kind of did that in high school. I would say things and do things that weren't really, it wasn't bad, filthy, vulgar, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe anybody said it. But because of my dad's profession, I was looked at as ooh, he's the bad PK, he's the bad preacher's kid. But really, I was just a kid who was bored in school and wanted to find ways to occupy his time. And That's so, a good point. Yeah. I, I think people look at it because they're held to a higher standard, which they shouldn't sure. be held to a higher standard because they're a kid just as anything else, just because you know your dad's a preacher as opposed to being you know a guy that's a mechanic. For sure. You're still a kid. And to go off of that, I feel that Christian kids in general or church kids with my air quotes yes. are held to a higher standard, especially in schools. And I was raised in a very small Southern town. So obviously I went to church with some of the teachers or they knew my parents. And so I was also held at a higher standard, but being held at an iron, Higher standard can lead to a higher fall. Yeah. Which is very sad. Right. Especially for a kid. Especially for a kid. And another thing I will say about, I did put PK myth because I do believe that it is based off of the individual, not just because they're a preacher's kid. But when a pastor or preacher takes the time to really foster into their church family and give time and effort into that. I think it can, it's a hard time to balance between their own family and their church family. And so sometimes it's a cry for attention, which can happen in any family, of right. course. But even if your dad's working 80 hours a week as a manager or something, or an accountant yeah. or things like that, totally. Well, see, and the way that I've always described it was I was told, you know, you have three things you have God, family, and work. Well, when God goes, and work goes at the same time, you're kind of left with like a middle finger and that's the family. And sometimes that's what you feel like you get. You feel like you get this middle finger to the family because there's things that my dad missed because of work. For sure. I, I always felt like I always had a preacher. Like there was never, and I, I think it might've been because I was a big wrestling person growing up that it was, I kind of saw everything as a shtick, but I've always been a person that really sh like compartmentalizes their life. And so like, I think like, Oh, here's 
dad chase here's working at the church chase here's baseball fan chase here's podcast chase here's you know like these different little things and they're all you they make you up but it's like i feel like sometimes i have to shut down one side of me to be this and you really don't have to do that and i felt like my dad never had the switch to flip off and be like okay i'm not a preacher now i am i'm the dad yeah so i always got a real churchy preacher answer it was always I just wasn't doing enough for God, and that's why I was having all of these problems or wasn't able to figure something out. I never, and I never felt good to go to my dad and be like, "Hey, you know, I had this happen," because then it turned into, "Your actions can affect my job," and I think that's also crappy. That if a church is going to get rid of you as a pastor because something your kid did, yeah, I know you're held to a higher standard, but maybe the church should go as well as the pastor, like just shut the whole thing down. But that's just me. For sure. And then to the second point of the point we brought up and sheltering your kid, I wrote how in the face of danger or conflict, certain kids can be left with confusion depending on how they were raised. Right. And so my story was that in a certain situation when I was in college, I mean, I'm a 20-year-old adult now. And you're still in college. Yes, I'm still in college. Um, I was left alone with a trusted male that I thought was totally fine. And we were playing a game. And so we were partners and he said some things that definitely struck a chord with me. And I felt extremely uncomfortable, but instead of automatically calling my friends and me like, Hey, I need you to come pick me up right now. I just sat it aside and ignored it. Right. And that definitely wasn't the response I should have done looking back on it. And I almost internalized it because I had never been, I had never been told what to do in that situation. Right. So, and then me and the individual never talked about it, which I should have brought it up and told them how I was uncomfortable and that should have never happened, but I didn't. And that's, that's a, a story that a lot of people have with things. Um, and that, and it, it sucks. It, yeah. and it, it sucks. And I hate that you even had to deal with that. Um, but that is one of those things where while parents are raising or trying to develop a path for their kid, Sometimes they don't tell you can't treat the world as a utopia for sure. And I think that's one of the key issues that you have is can't treat the world with a, in like a utopia situation. I never had anything like that happen. Um, I, I had more of a feeling. I don't think that I was sheltered as a child. Um, I just felt that everything that I wanted to do was bad. So I had to hide things. Like I felt like I had to even hide bands and music that I listened to that weren't Christian bands, but they weren't bad. It wasn't like it was bad, evil music. Like I wasn't hiding. It wasn't like I was hiding a Marilyn Manson album that my parents would be like, no, you're not listening to that guy. Even though his music, like, I, I like it. Um, I, I will say, so there was a guy that went to our church, and he had been, like, a drug guy, like, big into metal music and stuff like that, and he found Jesus, and he, like, threw it all away. Cool. Yeah. Cool dude. But he had a box that he had that had stuff i guess that reminded him of his past to like keep him focused on the forward what's in the box yeah so we me and his kid found the box because we were friends um and this was back when starter jackets were really big like the quarter zip kind of like what you're wearing with like a pouch okay yeah with the kangaroo pouch yes okay and so they were like a big puffy jacket i had a dallas cowboys one <laughs> and we were over and I saw the album cover for a white zombie CD. Oh. Yeah. And I just, I remembered him talking about white zombie one time as this evil, horrible thing. And 
for some reason, I took the White Zombie album. I put it in my little kangaroo pouch. Stealing. Yeah. And I went home, and I put it in my CD player, my little Walkman, and had my headphones on, had it turned down, sitting in the corner of my room because I didn't want to get caught. And I'm like, why did this guy give this up? This is amazing. This is good <laughs> stuff. And I'm like eight years old listening to this White Zombie album. And I remember I had that thing hidden. Forever? Forever. And I would I would get paranoid about it. And I would move it like to different <laughs> hiding spots. Like I was like hiding some, like I was a terrorist almost. Like how they moved Osama bin Laden around to these different things. Like here I am with my own Osama bin Laden, like white zombie <laughs> album. And I'm hiding it in my house. I'm hiding it in my sister's room, <laughs> hiding it in the shed. Like I'm hiding it in all these places. <laughs> and really it wasn't that bad. They were just a weird kind of band that for sure. their music was heavy and people were like, Oh, heavy music has to be of Satan. <laughs> and so that, those were the things that I, things those are the things that i felt like i i had to do i didn't have questions uh my i don't think my parents did really good on like the birds and the bees talk um that happened at a taco bell one time when my mom yelled at me and my dad and my dad's like do you know why this happened and i'm like uh <laughs> so he told me the difference between boys and girls there didn't eat at taco bell for a while very comfortably Ew. Um, <laughs> I will, going back to your music point, I will also say I think that growing up in a church and being sheltered, or not even crossing the line of sheltered, but more watched, that sounds kind of creepy, but I feel like once you're given your free certain freedoms that you can definitely take them to extremes. Right. But one thing I will say in my own story I got my first iPhone at 13. Ooh. I know. I downloaded the Spotify app. Yeah. And the first Spotify genre. is at least seven years old now. It, it's definitely older than that. That's crazy. It's not. I don't think. I don't know. As a 20-year-old. Well, see, Spotify was somewhere else. Like, it was it was made in Sweden. So, it was, like, oh. in Europe. So, we had to wait for it here in the U.S. <laughs> I had to wait. Kind of like H&M. Um, I like H&M. Yeah, you had to wait for that, too. Like, oh, America was, like, the last place that H&M went. Oh. They, I think they even had a store in Antarctica before they had one in America. <laughs> I don't know. Running it back to the Spotify, the yes. first genre of music I got into that was not the Christian genre or the Taylor Swift Southern or what my parents listened to was rap music. Ooh. And I was a big fan of Fetty Wap, of um, XXX Tentacion, of who else did I listen to? Oh, Little Uzi Vert. Those okay. were my favorites between eighth grade and sophomore year of high school. Now, are the lyrics of those songs awful, degrading yes. of women, yes. talking about partying and drinking and all of that? Yes. Sure. Yes. But was I doing those things? No. I was just sitting there listening to my Post Malone Little Uzi Vert playlist on the way to a basketball game, having a good old-fashioned time. And if that's how I decided to experience those things and learn that those things were bad, I felt a lot safer listening to it and being like, that's crappy, I don't want to do that, than right. being in the moment and having an experience similar to that music. So, I, I had a friend, this was in Indiana, name was Derek, and Derek had the Marshall Mathers Derek. LP. Yeah, Marshall Mathers LP, the first one, Real Slim Shady, Stan, all those great songs. And we all, like, passed the, passed the CD around, and we all had it or whatever. And our buddy Andy, Andy got busted with it. Andy. Yeah. Now, Derek's mom bought the album for her. Okay. Like, he's like, it wasn't like he, like, got it from somewhere else. She bought him the CD. We were, like, fifth grade, sixth. I think we were sixth grade. And... Andy's mom went to like all the other moms and was like, yeah, Andy fessed up, which got Andy, you know, got his butt kicked by all of us at school for like ratting. Oh, you thought yeah. Andy was a snitch. Yeah, Andy was a snitch. So we were trying Andy. to give him stitches, but we just weren't strong enough at the time. Sixth graders, you know, like, 
had real thick skin. I accidentally almost told a kid in my class not to be a snitch because they were trying to tattletale to me as I'm a daycare teacher. Yeah. And I was like, don't be a little. And I was like, I shouldn't teach first graders what snitches are. No, no, they'll learn in their own time. They've got their own kind of governance For thing sure. that happens. But yeah, this mom got the rest of the moms together and they confronted Derek's mom at the basketball game and was like, this is what my kid had and this is your kid. And like she like handed back. She's like, you can have this back if you want to give it to Derek. And she was like, I bought it for Derek. And it just turned into this whole ordeal. Like there were some parents who were like, you can't hang out with him. I'm like over oh, a song. Oh, like this is what we're worried about is a song. Definitely. But I feel like that's crossing the line of balancing church values and letting your kids be a kid. Right. right. Maybe, sure. maybe be like, hey, do you hear that stuff that he's talking about? Please don't ever tie your girlfriend up and put her in the back of a trunk yes. like Stan did. Don't do that. Listen to Dido. Like, don't listen to Eminem at this point. But now I look back at all these people who were like, Eminem was so influential because of what he was feeling it wasn't people wanted to go and do the things that he was talking about. They were just depressed and in a dark spot where he was, and hearing somebody else going through that same thing was very beneficial for him. Definitely. So I don't think parents think about that. Um, you know, I think that you cannot force faith. That point that you made on the outlines, which Gabby writes all the outlines. She does a really good job of it. Thank you for the shout out. Oh, I yeah. try my best. Yeah. So if you guys are podcasts and you want somebody, just hit up the old Gabby Gabby Moore, 41, she'll write your podcast outlines for a charge. Thank you. Plus, you got to pay for the advertisement that just happened. We'll talk about that as well. But <sighs> forcing the faith, and I think that's where a lot of things, like you were talking about kids leaving the church, especially PKs, we do because we're forced into it. It's something that we don't really feel like we choose. And I had to go through that journey. Did I really choose Christ, or did I make a choice to please my parents? That's rough. Yeah. I luckily that has never been the story for me. I can say, I mean, I can look back. My parents were both my Sunday school teacher from third grade to sixth grade. And I loved acting out and being sassy during Sunday school class, especially in front of all those fourth grade boys. Yep. Showing showing the domination. For sure. But it never had me quite. I never questioned my faith. So I don't. I did because I saw a lot of the BS that goes along with churches. For sure. And being in that world. Um, and I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, the church killed me. And I would say that I do fall in line with the people that left the church. And looking back in my own time, I think the proudest I ever saw my dad was when after I went to church camp and you're on that church camp high, like when oh, you yeah. come back and you're just like, I'm going to save everybody. Um, I decided that I was going to be a minister. I God had called me into the ministry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my dad was like, yeah, this is exactly what it is. You're going to be Brother Chase one day, and people are going to be shaking your hands. And I was like, ah, I don't think that's really what I want to do. And I didn't realize at the time that everybody's called to ministry as a Christian. For sure. Like, I didn't realize that what I was doing was going to try to put me in line to be a pastor. And then I was reminded of that, like, throughout my, like, teenage years. Like, you went down and said you wanted to be a preacher. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to be a preacher. Yeah, Because the things I want to say to most people at the church is probably things that I probably shouldn't say to them. Mm -hmm. But they should probably hear it. And I was torn between that because I'm like, this is why nobody wants to go to church. Like, I feel like I've battled that even now to this day. Like, okay, what you're wanting to do and what you're doing is the reason why a lot of people don't want to go to church. Um, and so I, I think the I saw my – I had some preacher's kids' friends – and I saw the way that their dad did things. And they actually did Bible study together. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen that happen. For sure. Even growing up as a preacher's kid, my dad would read a Bible story out of a children's Bible to us. And that was it. But we never talked about anything. 
we never learn how to apply what you learn from the stories of the Bible. That That is one of the biggest things that right. growing older, especially with our my pastor at my home church and Diana, he's big on the last slide of his PowerPoints and messages, always application. Right. Because the Bible isn't a book that is supposed to be sat there and then read and then put back on the shelf. Yeah. It's supposed to be used through your entire life. Yeah. Like for the longest time I knew I could live three days in a well. I mean, that was basically it. And not like a well where you get water, like the animal. It's a big, I, it's a big fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, it's I not was a like, whale. It's a big fish. It's a well. It's a big fish. And the and Adam and Eve weren't tempted with an apple. Okay. I've never been tempted by an apple. It had to have been a potato. No. Nope. I think that was the punishment. Pomegranates go hard. It probably was honestly a pomegranate. Because they talk about pomegranates a lot in the Bible. I know. And then the seeds. Yeah. And the fig trees. Could have been a fig. Could have. But I think pomegranates taste better than figs. Anyway, going you back to You better put that fig in a Newton. That's the only way I'm eating that fig. But... <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't real-life application. There wasn't like, hey, let's sit down and talk about things. It was just constantly church, 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 church. Got to be at church. You got to be at church. You got to be at church. I know a whole bunch of people that were in church every time that I was in church, and they're sitting in hell right now. I mean, I know probably people get mad at me saying that, but they were at church every time the door was open. But they never had anything that really changed their life. They never had anything that changed what was going on in their life with what they were learning. They just knew because it was just crammed down their throat. You've got to be in church. You've got to be in church. I missed out on things on Wednesday nights because you have to be in church. Mm-hmm. Because I guess, I don't know, my Bible translation like took out the part about Wednesdays as well for the Sabbath. But uh, <laughs> God took the evening off in Genesis in the third day. I will definitely say that I... I've been given some breaks when it comes to Wednesday and Sunday services. And I have never felt worse than when I miss Sunday church for a volleyball tournament, especially because I was always taught that um, we would do a Venn diagram of our 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And you're supposed to cut out how much of each you were doing what. So like school, sports, right. reading books, right. watching TV, sleeping. And then you're supposed to cut out your God. And then you see that, oh, even if you were in your Bible study for two hours of the day, that is only two out of 24 hours. That's only one twelfth of your day. And you're supposed to be living your life for God. Right. And I think that's where a well, lot of one people tenth, t- you need to give like two out two point four hours to God. For sure. Yeah, to make the ten percent. And you I feel like that's where a lot of um it, I don't think it's the church itself, but a lot of individuals yeah. take church to the extreme where church is just meant for you to have a place where you feel safe, right, secure, and loved to grow. Right. Well so. and they don't teach um I mean, I don't say they don't. There's some places that don't teach. They teach life as a pizza Mm -hmm. where we got eight slices and one slice needs to be God. When really... God's a topping. I look at it more... He's the cheese. Yes. (laughs) I look at it more like that or in the sense of a record player. Records are round and and if you listen to a record, you know, the the grooves in the record go out like a spiral. Mm-hmm. So God should be in all of those areas of ha- of your life. Um, yeah, you can have things spliced up however you need to, but God should constantly be flowing in that spiral. And that's what I look at it as, you know, you have different songs on an album and you, the spiral is God. Kind of how the cheese would be for your pizza topping for your life. And there's... Those people, you know, 2.4 hours is what you're supposed to be giving. But then you have pastors who are changing. I, I know Robert Morris at Gateway Church. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a very honest person about his life and things like that. He says, I do 15 minutes a day. But I make it a quality 15 minutes a day. Uh, that's a good point to run back to the quantity versus quality. Yeah. For sure. Yes. And then I thought of First Corinthians ten three that says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God." Yeah. It never. I don't think there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Hey, 
you need to be cutting up your time in your little pizza slices. Right. It says no matter what you do. That's why when I go to a place and get that 32-ounce steak, I'm doing it for the glory of God, showing them, hey, even I can eat that 32-ounce steak. I mean, if that's how you want to serve the Lord, you go off. And I got people be like, you're a glutton. I'm like, yeah, it might be. I don't know. But I think that's how most people, though. Like, if people are going to find bad and whatever. So I do like the point that you must allow individuals to have their own experiences. I think that ties in with the faith. Yes. Because I got baptized like twice when I was a teenager. And I didn't find true relationship with Christ until I was like 22. Mm -hmm. So I'm like 10 years into this. I know a whole bunch. I can tell you anything you want to know about the Bible probably, or if not get you roughly close to where you need to look for that answer. Um, But I couldn't tell you anything about actually walking with Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of those when I got to a low point in my life and I was struggling and I was in the situation and I kind of figured it out. I figured out God wanted to be with me as I walked, not the end goal. And I think that sometimes is something that's taught, especially in that sheltered life. Um, I I know that they don't teach works-based religion, but there is a lot of work that goes involved in a very strict religious upbringing. I will say that with that point and the idea of sheltering, If you try to shelter your children and only feed them the experiences that you think are going to happen to them, you're not going to cover all your bases. Right. Because living in life, and especially life as a Christian, isn't cookie cutter. No. Not everybody's going to have the same experiences. Even me being saved at eight years old, if you look at everybody who has been saved at eight years old. We have not gone through the same troubles or sins or confessions. Right. It's all very different. Well, and you know, for me, and this is just a logical idea, I'm not telling you to let your kids just run wild, but as a parent, I would rather have to go pick my kid up from doing something stupid at the police station at 15 years old than have to pay for an attorney for when my kid does something stupid when they're 23 years old because I kept my thumb on them all day long and I didn't let them out of the house. That is very and true. I, that's what you run the run the risk of. Um, and that doesn't even mean religious. I have a buddy who I went to college with. We were college roommates, and he wasn't sheltered, but he lived, a, like he lived almost an hour away from our school, mm-hmm. lived in a little farm town. So it was wake up go to school, go home. Milk the cows. Yeah. So he didn't really get to do anything. So when we got to college, oh boy, that, did he have himself some fun. You have to, in, in the idea of allowing individuals to have their own experiences, you have to allow them to have freedoms. Yeah. Or you're going to get a your buddy situation where they get overwhelmed with how much freedom and adulthood and experiences that they can have. They want to try a little bit of everything and then. Right. I I remember. They end up doing crack cocaine. Yes. (laughs) I don't know what else. I remember after our first semester in call. uh, Yeah. in college and he looked at his grades and he was like, I never, I will never forget this. He looked at me and goes, dude, I might have to be a teacher. And that's not a knock on teachers, but hey. he was trying to get into like, um, which he ended up not being a teacher. Um, he was getting into like engineering school. Ooh. Yeah. And he was just like, oh no, because he had Tuesday, Thursday classes that he would blow off like three classes. Okay. Three classes doesn't sound that big, except when they're Tuesday, Thursday, you've blown off a week and a half, almost two weeks of, of school. Mm-hmm. Because he was just finally able to make decisions for himself. And it wasn't that his parents were overbearing. He just had responsibilities at home that were that of an adult. Like, you get up and work. Like, you work a little bit in the morning. You go to school. You come back. And we're going to work. And so he never really got to experience. That's why I feel bad for kids. I had a summer jobs Mm -hmm. um 
to make money. I think it teaches responsibility. But I feel bad for kids who are forced to work almost as to provide for the family. I, I think that sucks um, for kids who, you know, they don't have the ability to be a kid to experience things. And I think that's when you can find lashing out, not even just in a, no, you're going to church, you're not going to go hang out with your friends. Um, so, yeah, you have to let your kids experience things or things will run up. What else you got for us today? The last point on our major point of how far is too far is that kids need to learn to think on their own and to run back to real evidence. And with the real evidence, I provided the Bible. And with that, I have a quote from Travis Dickinson, who has a Ph.D. and wrote the article on how to not shelter your kids from ideas and teaching our kids to think well. And in that quote, he says, what I mean is that no matter what schooling option is right for your family, there is biblical mandate to teach our kids at home. Part of this is to expose our kids to ideas. Yeah. I, I think that right there goes, I don't have a problem with Christian schools to say that I have a problem with Christian schools. The thing I have a problem with Christian private schools is I think there's a place for them. But if we're constantly trying to take our kids and people out of the secular world, where are all the Christians at? That's a good point. I think there's a lot of people who could miss because they're so, you know, driven to go to a, a Christian school or their parents are so driven for a Christian school that they can miss out on probably their biggest, you know, evangelism opportunity for sure can be in public school i think as or some, state school for colleges mm -hmm. as someone who goes to a private christian university it was fully my choice it wasn't like my parents were like you need to go to a christian school or i'm not going to help you with paying for college and luckily i my parents aren't having to help me pay they do send me a couple of Amazon packages that I'm very thankful for. Thank you, Clinton Elise. How do I get on that mailing list? Being birthed by Clint or Elise. Oh, it's always the birth thing. <laughs> Anyways, but I looked for a Christian university in the fact that I wanted to grow in my relationship with Christ, and I felt that my university would help me in that sense. And there are some Christians that feel like you know what? I can be mature enough to go, or not mature enough, but I am mature in my walk with Christ. I can go to a state school, have some fun adventures, but totally be fine. Right. So another big point in um, that was the end of that sentence was that running back to real evidence is real important. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, especially, I had certain questions that, any kiddo would have and my parents first advice was to always say well what does the bible say right. and that can be definitely seen as cheesy but it was such good advice to me knowing that the bible only the god loves me and had given me the advice to keep me safe right but i also think that can be a damaging statement if you haven't taught your kid how to read the bible and apply true. proper life application to what you read in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because if I had a bad girlfriend, like let's say I had a girlfriend who was really like anti-Christian, anti this and that, don't listen to your parents. And uh, my dad told me, we'll find it in the Bible. Well, the only thing I can really go to is Samson and Delilah. So now my eyes are basically going to be burned out and I'm going to push over a temple. You know, if I don't, understand what I'm reading life application on. Hey, look, God will always be there for you and he will help you through this time. But if you continue to wander down this road, life gets real crappy. Take a look at Samson. He had lost all of his hair and was basically blind. For sure. And so, you know, if you don't learn how to apply life or if you just look for things, because I hear people say, you know, I found this verse just opened the Bible and blindly looked at a verse and now I'm this multimillionaire and my, all my troubles went away. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. So you have mm -hmm. to encourage for actual study of the, how to read the Bible. That's what Definitely. I love about the, um, I have the Reformation study Bible. It's the ESV. It's from uh, R.C. Sproul. Um, and 
in the beginning of the like the introduction, it tells you about wh- how this bio, how this is written, what style it's written in, what you can expect, so that you kind of know how to read it. You know, Proverbs are Proverbs. You should probably read Proverbs as Proverbs. There's really not a guy that's actually doing all of these things that are in Proverbs. He's writing it for us to look at using examples like Jesus did as parables. For sure. And going back to depending on how you raising your kids right in biblical study, I know especially my church and both my parents have raised me to do very, we're going to read a big chunk of the scripture and go through it piece by piece and verse by verse. And I really do enjoy that way of study and find that that's the best way that I can look at the verses, try and see what God had to say historically and then give an application for my own life Right. versus trying to search up a podcast from some random individuals who only use one verse and then make a whole sermon topic on one single verse. Yeah. I think, you know, there's parts where I, I've been in churches where the focus is like maybe two or three verses, but they'll go back and they'll, if they don't cover the whole chapter of that, that part, they cover like, you know, in the subtitle, like they at least give Je- an overview. Yeah. Like where Jesus clears out the temple. They may pick two or three verses out of that, but they'll fill us in on what's happening in that area. I think, too, with this sheltering thing, there's also an idea of, are you sheltering your kids for you or for them? Mm, That's a good point, too. One of my really, really, really good friends growing up knew absolutely nothing about anything. Like she had really no idea on the different bodily makeup of a boy and a girl, had no idea, um, had no idea if someone was flirting or was being nice. I Um, run into that problem sometimes too. Nothing against my parents. I loved how I was raised, but I've had situations where my friends were like, Gabby, they totally were trying to flirt with you and you should have turned them down. And I was like, what? I just thought they were trying to be nice and I wanted to be nice back. Right. I Well, I remember this guy one time. He was like, hey, I really like your shirt. And she's like, do you think like we're going to go to prom together? And I'm like, <sighs> um, I think he just really liked your shirt because you're wearing this. I can't remember what band it was. And I was like, and I know he likes that band. I was like, so it might have just been, hey, nice shirt. But to come to find out after, you know, just completely unpacking her entire life, she was able to realize that early on in life she was physically and sexually abused. And instead of having to come to terms with that and deal with, you know, the repercussions of somebody in her family or in her life not being a good person, they just tried to shelter her from her whole life. And it it really did a number on her. For and sure. I think there's parents that do that as well, that they use the Bible to shelter under and tell kids, hey, we're not, you know, this isn't the way that you should live or anything like that. But it's really, they don't want their kids to find out about certain things. And then it'd be like a flashback, like, wait a minute. So what you didn't want me to know about that's kind of somewhat normal. Now I'm thinking back to that person did this, and so now that's not okay. And now you've got to go back and completely, instead of hitting it, hitting the issue head on and dealing with it, now you've just completely, and I feel so bad for her. Um, you know, now she's married and has a kid and has her life together and things like that, but through college and Good stuff. For her. Yeah. And I just remember she would be like, hey, you know, I heard this on a song or I heard this in a show and I looked it up and I can kind of remember things that weren't right. Like, is this something? And she would ask you, like, is this normal? Like, did this happen to you as a kid? And be like, no, that never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, that's not okay. You need, do you need to talk to somebody about that? Do you need, do you want to talk to your family? And she's like, I don't want to talk to my family about this at all. Cause she would try 
mm-hmm. and then they would just completely shut it down. But there are pluses to raising your kid based upon biblical standards. Yes, that's my next point. Uh, but why would church values be wanted? And so I found in a study published by Harvard University, actually, in 2018, it was found that those who attend religious services regularly were 12% less likely to have high depressive symptoms, 33% less likely to use drugs, and then those who prayed or meditated frequently were 30% less likely to start having sex at a young age and 40% less likely to have sexually transmitted infections. Well, I think those two go hand in hand. If of you're course. less likely to have sex, you're less likely to... Uh, Transmit sexually transmitted diseases. You would think. I um, wonder about the 12% because I wonder if that's the deal where real, real conservative Christians are like, hey, look, you're less likely to be depressed because if you're a Christian, you're never going to be depressed. I think that's one of those weird ones. It could be, but. Um, So that's those are the good reasons um bad reasons culture shock that is a big one um you know it's kind of like i was telling you about my buddy um oh simon doesn't care if i talk about him simon wasn't like simon just didn't get to do much because he lived on a farm and then he moved into a place where i didn't care what he did just as long as he picked up and kept his side away from my side because i didn't want to have to wake up running late to class and wearing a shirt that was two sizes too small because he was a little guy. Um, I met a lot of interesting people because of him, because of his late night shenanigans and would meet people like using our bathroom. And I'm like, for some reason, all the people Simon met never locked doors. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, that it, it wasn't really a religious culture shock, but I can see that where, kids are going to school. I knew a kid that went to a church. He was younger than I was. He was a youth kid when I was in a like early adult age and he went to a Christian school and they were Christian school based on they got money from a Christian organization. They taught some biblical study stuff. They're a really good school. Uh but some of the kids that were there were not at all and he was like, "Did you know that there's kids that go to school here that are an atheist?" I was like, "Yeah, bud." Yeah, they're uh, they're there for they're the engin- everywhere. Yeah, they're there for the engineering stuff. They're people too. Yeah, yeah. He was completely shocked. He was shocked that he went to a party off campus and there was people drinking. He was like, it was like those movies that I wasn't supposed to watch. It was like, oh, like American Pie. Yeah, the college parties do exist, bud. Like they're there. Um, in fact, I think I went to a college party in the town that you're talking about, and they they were quite fun. Lots lots to do. But he was really shocked by it. For sure. I mean, I've had my own culture shocks where I was raised by Christian parents and I had very Christian-minded friends. And so when I figured out that people from my high school were drinking underage and having parties I wasn't invited to, I was like, how? How do you do that? How do you get that? I, I was so confused. I was like, how do they buy this alcohol? Who gets it for them? Right. Where is it coming from? My parents ain't ever going to buy me alcohol, number one. Number two, I didn't even know how you got a fake ID. I didn't even know what a fake ID was. Yep. I was so confused. I thought it was like a super spy movie where they had to go in and they had to sneak the alcohol out. Nah, and I was like, where really. are they sneaking this alcohol out from? If you grow up in the towns that you grew up in and I grew up in, um, there's usually that one kid that's like two or three years older. He was like a senior when we were a freshman. That's who you find working at the gas station. That's how it always worked for all of my friends, all of our buddies. Um, but you, you did post this thing from the Huffington Post that says, uh, but beyond this basic level of self-protection, a child who is eight is only a couple of years away from parties with spin the bottle or whatever today's equivalent is. And by the age of eight, uh, 15, 16% of kids have had intercourse. Your children certainly need to know how babies are made by the time they go through puberty. And for girls, the age of puberty is dropping. For sure. And that's true. 100%. Yeah. I mean... It, it is. Uh, even boys. I mean, there's grown boys. I, I saw some of the boys that were supposed to be at the Junior Home Run Derby that got canceled today. Uh, grown men. Yes. They're going to go out there and hit home runs. Um, so it, it is. And I think that's one of those things. My grandma, who is now passed, actually told me the foundation of boys and girls and birds and bees when I was like 
first or second grade. Because I had said something I had heard from an older cousin. Um, and instead of telling me, you don't listen to him, she explained it to me and actually gave me knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I thank her for that every time. I also think about, um, also in this article and a quote I didn't pull from, was explaining that children need to know this information for safety reasons, especially younger children need to be taught the appropriate words and the how their no-no square should not be touched and they need to have trusted adults who teach them those things so that if something like that happens that they have someone to go and report or tell these things to and have a trusted communication line right for safety reasons well i think that's that's a a given and i think that's something that really needs to happen so how would you if you were being a parent and i know you say your parents did a great job I think so personally. How do you think a parent can balance between being watchful and not sheltering? Wow, I'm so glad you asked. It's like you have the outline in front of you. Almost like I knew that we only have four minutes left of the show. Oh, okay. Well, I will go through these fast. I Our next point was that I have a good example on how. So I said, personally, I think my parents did a great job through three key pieces. The first was explaining that the world meaning today's culture might disagree with our outlooks and ideas. So basically, um, this allowed us to be on the defense for our ideas. And if we were told that it was totally okay to sit out of certain activities, my mom and dad were big on the fact of, hey, you call me and say you're feeling sick, I will totally come and grab you. If If you need an excuse, I can always be the bad guy. I had instances where I was in middle school and felt uncomfortable going and TPing people's house because I felt that was disrespectful and I didn't want to pick up toilet paper in the rain. And I would call my mom and be like, hey, guys, my mom said I had to be back by 935 and it is 930. So I have to go home. Oh, wow. So I could totally use them as a bad guy and i pulled the verse first peter 2 9 saying but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light meaning that we are representatives of god in his word and see i was the opposite might disagree with certain cultural pieces right I was the guy that was leading the TP deal. I remember we were going to egg a house one time, and my buddy was looking through the eggs. You know how he, when you go buy eggs at the grocery store, you're supposed to look at them, make sure they're not cracked. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, making sure these are good eggs. It's like, dude, if they're rotten, that's even better, man. We're going to go throw them in a house. It's not like we're making like omelets tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I mean, I wasn't that bad of a kid, but I understand where you're coming from. Like, and it's good that your parents were able to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, um, and and now you have social media to deal with. Yes, that's the second point. I was allowed to make my own decisions on social media at a agreed age and with certain boundaries. And so at 13, I had an iPhone with parental settings that I never even encountered with Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, the TV password, anything of my choosing. But with that freedom came certain rules, including my mom was allowed to go through my text messages, which some people might say is an infringement of privacy. But my mom gave the point that she was paying for my phone. Right. So technically it was her property. And we also had to go to our mom if we had any questions about what we watched or what we came across. And it worked out pretty well for me. I, If I had questions, my mom was very blunt and open. I did watch the Rock of Ages movie at 12 years old and had some questions about why this lady was ripping this guy's pants off. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't afraid to answer them for me, and so that was great. Well, I think that also opens up good, open communication. Um, I think that's one of the things that kids don't feel like they have a lot of times is being able to be honest because there is so much pressure put on kids that if you do this, you're going to be in trouble. For sure. And so I even felt that where like, oh man, I can't go and talk to my parents about this. I can't go and do this because I'm going to be in trouble. And so, you know, it sounds like your parents had a lot more of a, let's have good, honest conversation about where you're at. Well, our biggest rule growing up was that if you lied about something or dishonest, that you got twice the amount of punishment. And so it was actually worded where if you were honest about what you were doing, you got half the punishment. And so that definitely produced honest conversations. I wasn't afraid 
that my parents were going to flip a lid if I was stupid and did something on accident if I knew I could come to them and tell them. Right. So, And then the final point I had was that we were given many freedoms as long as we were honest about where we were, what we were doing, and when we would be home. I was the only person my age. I knew that I did not have a curfew. My, I actually never had a curfew, usually because they knew where I was going. They knew whose house I was at. They knew the parents of whose house I was at. I had a boyfriend my senior year of high school. One time, oh my goodness, crazy situation. I fell asleep on his couch. We were watching a movie. Oh no. I fell asleep on his couch. I woke up. It was 2.30, but my parents knew that I was at his house. I called them as soon as I woke up, and I was like, I'm sorry. It was a complete accident. I automatically drove home, and there was no problems. So Lucky. Because I was very honest about right. what happened, where I was, and who I was with. We'll have to get Clint to make a podcast on parenting. I. You did a good job, Clint. I think she's an all right kid. Thank you. She turned out all right. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up this uh, second episode, full episode of a podcast. Sorry uh, for going a little long. Hey, it's, it's good stuff, though, that's going along. Um, so we'll be working out other things, uh, journeying through our life as youth group kids raised in good conservative Christian homes, how that affected us, what's going on. If you guys have ideas, message us. Or questions. Or questions, yeah. If you have ideas for a show or anything like that, let us know. The Exchange Bartlesville. At the Exchange Bartlesville. That's where you find us for everything. And you can even go to theexchangebartlesville.com. We'll be getting a blog up soon with a couple of our other friends. I know. Big oh. news. Big news. So until next time, guys, um, have a good one. For sure. And we'll see you next time.